Okay, so back we are to Romans chapter 11 with only 20 minutes to go. Let's see how far we can get. Um, you know, it's been a month since I was here with you. Uh, you know, I was gone for two weeks, and then last week we did the India thing. So it's been four weeks since uh, we've addressed Romans 11, and we stopped at the end of verse 16, and we pick up tonight in verse 17. And what I'd like to do is read to you verses 17 through 22. Really, there is a parenthesis, kind of a kind of a hiccup that occurs beginning at verse 18 and going through 22. But the paragraph begins at 17, and we haven't dealt with 17 yet, so let's start there, read through verse 22. Here we go. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, and here's the parenthesis. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you, if you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Now, let's jump back in at verse 17. And let me remind you, it begins in verse 13. But he is speaking to Gentiles. Okay, guys? Um, uh, one of the big issues is that now the, the outsiders, Gentiles, are now insiders. So now he's speaking to Gentiles. And he, um, uh, he says, he opens up by saying, the branches were broken off. And you, a wild olive branch, have been grafted in. You share in the nourishing of the olive tree. Now, focus on the, that last clause. Uh, share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. Now, guys, here's what we've got here. We've got two olive trees. One is a good one, and one is a wild one. Now, wild guys, if you know anything about citrus, um, for instance, wild grapefruits will not produce grapefruits. What, I don't know whether you know this or not, but I, I tried this one time. And when I was living in Ocala, what you do to get a, a grapefruit-producing grapefruit tree is that you take sour, wild stock, and you graft in um, the, 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 the good stuff. And so the, the grapefruits come out of a grafted in something. And I tried to graft something. You have to go out and buy this special tape. And I tried to do it and I failed. But, 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 but anyway, what you have here is you have two olive trees. One is, is, um, is a good one and the other is a wild one. Now, bad the image is bad branches on the good tree were broken off. <clears throat> and they were replaced by branches from the wild tree. They were grafted in. That is, you got the good tree, branches were broken off the good one, and then branches were taken from the wild tree and grafted in to the good one. So what you have here is a picture of God who has done something supernatural. He has done something to enable even a wild olive tree to produce good olives. If you want to know what that's called in theological terms, it's called regeneration. What he has done, he's done something outside of nature. He has taken something wild and unproductive. He has taken it and grafted it into the olive tree and it has become productive. It took a miracle 
to save Gentiles. The same miracle that it takes to save you and me. The same thing that, 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 that God performed in, in a Gentile world to save them, He performed in you and me. He did something outside of nature called, or supernatural, it's called regeneration. Now guys, this is a key point. And um, if you are a little theologue, you better listen for a minute because you can really get off track uh, here. What does Paul mean by the olive tree? <laughs> this is a key little uh, little theological twist, guys. Because if, if casually speaking, I bet if some of you know anything about this section, what you're going to hasten to say is that the olive tree is Israel. That cannot be. It is not Israel, and it can't be Israel, and let me tell you why. First of all, there's two reasons. First of all, for Gentiles to be, if the olive tree, that is the good one, to which Gentiles were reacting, if that olive tree were Israel, then that would mean when Gentiles got grafted in, they would become Jews. The other reason, the other part of this, is that the whole section of Romans chapter 11 is that Paul's whole point in this section is that Israel has been set aside. They've been cast out. They've been broken off. This is not Israel. Okay, then, if the olive tree is not Israel, what is it? This image of the olive tree is used frequently in the Old Testament and sometimes in the New. It has to do simply with, said simply, it is the spiritual seed of Israel or just the people of God. The root, the olive tree, the good one, is just the people of God. Okay, so this is what Paul is teaching. He is teaching that unbelieving Jews, though they were Abraham's natural seed, they have been broken off, they have been cast off, and believing Gentiles have been grafted in. They are not grafted into Israel, but they are grafted into this this thing that has always been around the people of God. Um, now, I, I think you can say that one implication of what I've just said is that there has always been, and there only has always been, one way of salvation, and it has always been the same one. But we'll get to that a little bit later. But all that's being taught here is that you've got this olive tree that is the people of God, and there were certain folks that were broken off, even though they were the natural descendants of Abraham, and believing Gentiles have been grafted in. Now, we come to this parenthesis, this five-verse parenthesis. And don't forget, gang, that he is still talking to Gentiles. This is a subsection. This is a this is somewhat of an aside. It's a it's parenthetical. Um, it's a pause in Paul's main argument, and the 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 the, the, the parenthesis, what it is, is a warning spoken to Gentiles 
And he begins by saying in verse, very frankly, ladies and gentlemen, you could almost, it's not in the text, but you could almost put a parenthesis in here because it is a, it is parenthetical to his main argument. But once he has, once he has taught, there's a, there's two trees, there's a wild one, there's a good one, and there was uh, unbelieving Jews broken off of the good one, and then there were believing Gentiles grafted into the good one. Once he's taught that, then he turns to those Gentiles and says, don't you be arrogant. He says that. Verse 18. Do not be arrogant. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. And what are those branches? That's pretty easy. The branches are those that part of Israel, actually that the major part of Israel, the bulk of Israel that is still unconverted, that has been broken off. Um, they had at one time been a part of that olive tree, which we said a moment ago was the people of God, and now they're cast off. Now, pause. If you're still alert and haven't fallen asleep yet, and if your little theological mind and the wheels are beginning to turn, you're beginning to see a problem. And the problem has to do with eternal security. All right, now guys, we're going to address that, but not tonight. And maybe not even next Wednesday night. But we'll come to it. What I'm trying to do is work through this parenthesis, tell you what's in there, and then come back and try to make application and teach the lessons that are contained in it. But what you've got here is... Um, Paul speaking to the Gentiles and saying, listen here, you who have been grafted into the olive tree, which is the people of God, don't you be arrogant against those who were broken off, that this large bulk of Israel. Paul tells these Gentile Christians who've been grafted in, don't be arrogant. These Gentiles who for millennia had so long been despised and mistreated by Judaism, because they were the outsiders, now they're the insiders. So Paul is warning them, don't you treat Jews like Jews used to treat you. And then he goes on in verse 18, and he reminds them, look, look at verse 18. Uh, Do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. You're only branches. You're not the root. And you have been grafted in. You have been put in an act of God's free sovereign grace was exercised to put you into that tree just like it was exercised in all of us. So don't you be arrogant about that, he says to these Gentiles. Then he goes on in verse 19. Stay with me. Then you will say, by the way, guys, this is this is a this is where you say the genius of Paul. Um, if you've ever heard this phrase, this is called an ad hominem argument. You know, an ad hominem. You know, in, in back in business school when I I was a uh, um, a student in uh, the business school of, of the College of Business at the University of Tennessee. In fact, in fact, they used to call it the country club. In fact, when we when we were um, you know uh, when we were going to class, they would they would say you know about your what t- what time are you teeing off this morning? Which meant what time you got to go to class. Well, um, back back then, they used to teach us this. 
that if you went into your boss and you made a presentation and your boss had questions about your presentation, you hadn't done your homework. Because what you were supposed to do is to think through everything that your boss is going to ask you. You were supposed to be ready for everything that he was going to be thinking. And you were supposed to answer it before he asked it. That's called an ad hominem argument. It's an argument where you know the audience, what they're thinking, what they're going to ask, and you address it. That's, that's what you see here. In, that's what Paul is doing in verse 19. He says, um, then you will say, I know what you guys are thinking. We branches. <laughs> we were broken off so that I might, um, the branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Do you see what the Gentiles are saying? The Gentiles are boasting in the fact that <laughs> they're gone now. I mean, uh, uh, they're, they're no longer around. And they were broken off so they can make room for me. <laughs> the, the, the suggestion is that they, they have an idea that they are somehow superior because they had replaced those branches that were broken off and had been discarded. Those yucky old discarded broken off. But he, I mean, uh, he, he's saying that this is what they're saying in verse 19. Um, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That means there's something superior about me because they had to get rid of them so that I could be, that I could be put in. Now, now watch guys. Apparently, Paul takes this real seriously. And he considered such a notion as a rather serious assault on the gospel. So he addresses it head on. Notice what he says in verse 20. That is true. Yeah, they were broken off and you were grafted in. These Jews were broken off. But not because of the reason that you think. Not because of the reason that you're assuming. They were broken off because of their unbelief. Not because you were superior. It didn't have anything to do with you and your any supposed superiority on your part. No, it wasn't because you Gentiles are superior. No, no, no. The Gentiles were broken. I mean, Jews were broken off because of their unbelief. Guys, and I don't know how much further we're going to get to go, but you've got to get this point. Um, anytime there is any kind of notion in our theological systems of any sort of superiority, it means that we really haven't understood the gospel. Gang, um, think that there is something about me that prompted God to own me or graft me in is a denial of the very essence of the gospel, the very nature of salvation. It is never a question of merit. It is never a question of quality or superiority. And when any of those things ever become a part of the conversation, what you have discovered is you don't understand the gospel. 
Gentiles were saying, well, you know, the reason they broke them off is because, you know, they were grafting me in. They had to find a place for somebody really as cute and sweet and wonderful as I am. So they got rid of those guys so that I could. Paul says, um, yeah, they were broken off. They were broken off. All right. And you were grafted in. That's true. But not for the reason that you think. They were broken off because of your of their unbelief. Not because of any superiority that you that you may think you have. The moment you start thinking about your goodness or your merit or your birth or your baptism or your parents or your church, anytime that enters the conversation, you undermine the whole message of the gospel. A gospel which says, look further in verse 20, a gospel that says they were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast. Through faith. And then he repeats his warning. So. Don't you be proud. Notice what he adds. The antidote. To being proud. It's standing in awe. I really. I mean in other translations. I don't even like that word. Um. Because I think that the most, some of the most, many of your translations have the word stand in fear. You know how you ought to stand in the, in the I mean, they're, telling people to fear is a part of gospel preaching. It's a part of gospel preaching because Paul preached it. Don't you ever come to the, the, the conclusion that the reason that you're, a, you know, you're a part of the family is because you're smarter. Yeah, I had a roommate back in college, and you know, they, he went out and got himself all drunk every weekend, but not me! No, 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 I was going to church. Yeah, 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 the reason that I'm in is because, you know, I went to a private school, and my private school, we had chapel. Oh, no, the reason that I'm in is because I go to a church, and our church is biblically sound. And we don't do that crazy foolishness. Oh, the reason I go that I'm in is because my parents and my, my grandfather was a minister. Anytime, ladies and gentlemen, anytime any of that creeps into your thinking, you have misunderstood the gospel. Because the gospel doesn't have one hint of any merit, of any goodness, of any desert of any kind of superiority on your part. They were chopped off because of unbelief. And you stand, why? Because of faith. Now, stand in awe. That's what's in this text. <laughs> you want to know how to go flesh that thing out? I mean, your, your relationship with Christ, go do it like this! <laughs> I mean, it, 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 um, so do not become proud. But stand in awe. Stand in awe. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? We are saved. Our sin is forgiven. We're everlastingly safe. And you know why? 
because God did a work in us. Don't add anything to that. Don't start talking about your baptism. But once you understand that God grafted you in, then stand in awe. what this is. That's great. Father, uh, remind us. Remind us that we are who we are and we are where we are because of nothing that we did to deserve or earn or merit. There was no, there was no smidgen of anything self-salvational. That there was nothing a part of us, nothing about us that drew you to us. We weren't more, more spiritual. We weren't smarter or cuter or better. You've just done this work. This work of sovereign, efficacious, amazing grace. That ought to be enough to create a people who are awestruck over our spiritual footing. Thank you for doing it, O oh God. We will spend the rest of our lives and eternity marveling at the fact that you took wild jackasses like us and you've grafted us in to the people of God. We, uh, we, we love the gospel, Lord God. We loved it when we first heard it and we love it today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks and good night.